G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican podcast. My name is David Brown and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Church. If you'd like to learn more about our church, then please visit anglicandolby.org.au where you can find more sermons and also donate to the life and work of our church. Today's sermon is by Reverend Ken Hansen, who is a deacon and also a police chaplain in our community. Ken recently celebrated 20 years since his ordination, and so it was wonderful today to hear him preach on another faithful minister of the gospel, John the Baptist. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea, and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. But when they saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Almighty God, you raised up the John the baptizer to prepare a perfect people for Christ. Fill your people with joy of possessing his grace and direct the minds of all the faithful in the way of peace and salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've often wondered why this talk about one of our greatest prophets of all time is slotted into the Advent season, especially at this supposedly joyous time of the year. John, the great hailer who announced the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Well, I tell you this is what I've learned so far. It has been said that since the death of the prophet Malachi, there has never been any other greater prophet than John. This is the amazing story of a man called John the Baptizer. And our story begins with a Jewish priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth who were both of the priestly family of Aaron. Elizabeth, as it so happens, is a blood relation to the most blessed Virgin Mary. Now Zechariah and Elizabeth, being true Israelites, desired the consolation of being blessed with children. I don't know why, but 
They did. <laughs> but Elizabeth's womb was barren. They had both prayed earnestly and longed so much for a child. They would often think about the birth of the great Messiah who was coming to save mankind. And as they dreamed about the Messiah, they would also hope that he would free and unite Israel once again. Although Zachariah and Elizabeth were saddened in their old age and Elizabeth was uh, beyond the natural limits of childbearing, still they both continued hopefully praying for a child. The prayers of this faithful ageing priest and his patient wife Elizabeth were graciously answered when an angel appeared to them with a message telling them that the Creator, God Almighty, had heard their prayers and had been pleased with them and would fulfil their desire for a child. Sometime later, Elizabeth gave birth to a male child and according to the angel, he was to be named John, which derives from the Hebrew term meaning Jehovah is with us or is gracious. John's, uh, John the Baptist's mission his mission in life can be summed up by one word, and that is preparer. For it was John's mission to prepare the people for the coming of the promised Messiah. The prophets Isaiah and Malachi had announced that John would, be, would prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, who as we all know would be Jesus, the incarnate Son of God. This man John was called by God to be the forerunner of God's divine Son and to usher him into the world. And he would prepare mankind for, by the repentance of their sins. Jesus, the Redeemer, would, whom the prophets had foretold through every age from the beginning of time and also would install in the people faith and hope in him alone. And they too, there, through their belief in him, were to be saved. Even Zechariah, John's father, had prophesied that John would be called the prophet of the Most High, who would go before the face of the Lord to make ready his way. And that's in Luke 1, 7, uh, in 176. The writer in John 1, 6-8 says, God sent a man named John who came to tell about the light and to lead all people to have faith. So there we have it. John's message came from God in order to bear witness of the light who, as we know, was Jesus Christ. John has spent most of his solemn life in the wilderness exercising himself in prayer and meditating on the important mission that he would be called upon to perform. John was regarded as a somewhat antisocial person, even though he had his own company of disciples. His ascetic lifestyle may have appeared almost anomic, a bit like those possessed by evil spirits who had also apparently lived out their lives in the desolate areas of that region. Jesus had once said of his relative, John came neither eating nor drinking, 
and they say he has a demon in him. In the 30th year of John's ministry, he came out from his seclusion. This was also the age at which the priests and Levites were permitted by the Jewish law to begin and exercise their ministries. The description of John is rather brief. He was definitely not a fashion statement. We saw that with Paul Lung Lexi there before. Being dressed in a camel's hair garment, which was secured by a girdle of raw leather around his waist, thus I suppose to keep everything in its proper place. Although our reading describes him as ambiguous, it is, however, quite reminiscent of the adornment of certain Old Testament prophets, in particular Elijah, whom the theologians say was a foreshadow of John. And uh, Elijah didn't dress any better than uh, John. In, in fact, there were some prophets who uh, wore no clothes at all. I read back further. <laughs> uh, his diet wasn't that desirable either, consisting of locusts and wild honey. This would not go down with any dietitian of today, although I'd once seen on one of those survivor shows on TV where the contestants had to eat live grasshoppers. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. There's no way in the world I could come into that. This dietary flare of locusts and wild honey was generally consumed by the poorer people of society who were the desert people of those days. John wasn't frightened to stand up uh, to the royalists either. In particular, that was Herod, and also the wealthy, indulgent Jews of that time. John would often refer to God's commandments and it was said that he was an unrefruited walking sermon full of knowledge and wisdom. John didn't go out seeking the multitudes but for some reason people were drawn to him or maybe they were somewhat a bit curious about him. Anyway, for whatever reason, the gentry of Jerusalem and all Judea went out to see and hear this man, John, as he wandered about the Jordan Valley and preaching repentance of sins and also about the coming of the Messiah. Whether the crowds were truly interested or not, John seemed to hold them spellbound. The steady flow of people of all sorts and even some curious Roman soldiers was, went seeking for this rough-looking prophet, all wanting to see and listen to what this man John had to say. His influence was amazing. Hundreds, if not thousands, after listening to his preaching, would come forth to be immersed by him in the river, and his success was solely hung on the message that he proclaimed. It is said that he had performed no signs whatsoever, though they regarded this message concerning the coming of Christ as true. In Matthew 10 verse 1, here it appears to indicate that John did not perform any miracles or demonstrate anything uh, miraculous 
compared to what Jesus and his apostles were performing. With consideration of the preaching of John the Baptist, at least three areas should be given attention. Firstly, John's message concerning Jesus. John proclaims, Someone more powerful than I is coming, and I am not worthy enough to untie his sandals. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And as Jesus advances through the waters to be baptised, John proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God. Secondly, his emphasis upon the coming kingdom and the demands of citizenship thereof. When John baptised Jesus, as soon as Jesus came up from the water, he saw the sky open and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my own dear son. With you I am well pleased. In some other verses, especially in Mark 1.10, it adds on there, listen to him. Thirdly, warning of the ultimate judgment. John is warning the, warning the crowds and acts is ready to cut the trees down at their roots. Any tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Concerning Jesus, John says, Behold the Lamb of God. John provided excellent witness to the nature of Christ. As the prophet John began to generate attention, certain Jews in, in Jerusalem dispatched a delegation of priests and Levites to listen or maybe to challenge John in order to ascertain his true identity. John emphatically states, that he himself was not the promised Messiah, nor was he literally a reincarnation of the prophet Elijah. Rather, he was the fulfilment of Isaiah's prophecy, the voice of preparation for the arrival of God in the flesh. John also declared that he was unworthy even to carry Jesus' sandals or to unloose the thongs thereof. Throughout his life and ministry, John always directed people to Jesus Christ. When talking about Christ, he said, He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. The entrusted job of carrying sandals for the master was the job of the lowliest slave. Yet John didn't deem himself worthy of even this lowest of jobs in serving Christ. This is such a stunning testimony indeed and it has obvious implications. As I mentioned earlier, John characterised the Lord as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. To John, everything was about the Messiah, whom he had been commissioned to prepare for. John saw his own needs 
and status in life as unimportant. He was not jealous about the crowds going to see Jesus. Instead, he humbly said, He must increase, but I must decrease. It is certain that John's message was from God and was infallibly true, and the powers of John's preaching seemed to fill the void in the very hearts of the people of Israel. To those standing on the banks of the River Jordan, John preaches repentance and then baptising all comers, immersing them in the waters. Make a straight path for him. John continues, He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And again, His winnowing fork is in his hand and he is ready to separate the wheat and the husk. John was received by the people as a true herald of the Most High God. All classes of people came and listened to him. Among them were many Pharisees whom John rendered them indocile and blinded by their vices. The soldiers, publicans and tax collectors who were generally persons hardened in their habits of immorality, violence and injustice flocked to him. He exhorted all of them to do good works of charity and to a reformation of their lives. And those who addressed themselves to him in these dispositions, he then baptised in the River Jordan. I should make it clear here that the baptism of John performed is entirely different from that of the Christian sacrament of baptism of today. John's baptism was an emblem of the effects of living in the fear of the justice of God by abstaining from evil deeds. Whilst today, Christian sacrament of baptism wholly delivers us from the original sin and the consequence thereof which makes us the children of God by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. About six months into John's preaching and baptising, the Lord Jesus went from Nazareth and presented himself among the others to be baptised by John. The Baptist recognised Jesus by a divine revelation and full of awe and respect for this sacred person, at first excused himself. I ought to be baptised by you. Why have you come to me? But after some discussion between the two, John then acknowledges Jesus out of his pure obedience. The Saviour of sinners, Jesus was pleased to be baptised by John among sinners, not to cleanse himself, but to sanctify the waters and to manifest himself to the world which was represented among the great masses of people which came to John. And John bears witness of him, pointing him out before the Jews. John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Then John disclosed the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and uncovered the profaneness of the Sadducees and he exposed the fraudulence of certain government officials and of the dishonour of and the dishonour and cunning of some of the soldiers that were gathered there, and in particular the incest of King Herod himself. As we know, John the Baptist didn't pull any punches. He was totally upfront as he continually criticised King Herod for marrying his brother Philip's wife while Philip was still alive. And because of that, John was thrown into jail. After spending some time in prison cell, John sent some of his disciples to Christ. He wanted to receive confirmation about the work and mission of Jesus. The answers he received confirmed John's belief that Jesus was the Lamb of God, the incarnate Son. He also believed that Jesus was the Christ, the coming Messiah, who will conquer and rule. But perhaps John was expecting Jesus to start right then and there, at that very moment, instead of letting him remain in prison. And we know the story, alas, that was not to be. While John was in prison, Herod threw a party for his wife's daughter. Her dance was so seductive that it pleased Herod and his guests. So much so, in his drunken state, he promised her whatever her heart desired, even up to half of his kingdom. So the daughter having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. Herod was so sorry for what he had promised. But because of his oath and the crowd of witnesses, he was trapped into ordering John to be beheaded. As I stated at the beginning of this homily, it seems a bit weird that we include this story of John the Baptizer at this time of the year when we are supposed to be celebrating a joyful season leading up to Christmas. But Advent is also a time of soul searching for Christians and a preparing of our hearts to be clear of sin. When I looked up the meaning of the word Advent, I found out that it comes from the Latin word Adventus. Translated, it means coming or arrival, particularly of something having great importance. And what an important occasion it will be. Many Christians celebrate not only by thanking God for sending Jesus into the world, but also for his presence with us through the Holy Spirit and also in preparation and anticipation of the final coming of the end of time.
There are many reasons the story of John the Baptist was recorded in the Bible. It still speaks to us here, 2,000 plus years later. His life story and his message points us to Jesus Christ to show us of God's awesome power and to teach us of the importance of repentance from sin through baptism. The work of John the Baptist also reminds us that God has a detailed plan that he is carrying out. Though we, like John the Baptist, may not understand everything about that plan or our assigned part in it, but we can know that God definitely has a plan for us. Herod might have killed John the Baptist physically, but John will be a king and a priest reigning on earth in the kingdom of God. And that's uh, affirmed by the verse in Revelations 5.10. We too, can have a part in that plan if we respond to God's calling and humbly repent of our sin and renew our lives by obeying God's word and God's commandments. The fact that the birth of Christianity was such a resounding phenomenon impacting the ancient world so tremendously and echoing marvellously across the centuries is in some measure a commentary on how well John accomplished his mission as the preparer. May you also be prepared in your hearts for the coming of the Christ child. The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, grant that St. John the Baptizer was martyred for truth and justice, so we may energetically profess our faith in you and lead others to the way, the truth and the light and, in it, and into eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.